Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are here to discuss Purdue's victory over Minnesota, 88-73 to up in the barn. And we are also going to look ahead to the upcoming game against Michigan. That's going to uh, be a quick turnaround for this Purdue team because I understood they stayed overnight uh, in Minnesota last night due to the weather. So it uh, looks like they won't be back in West Lafayette until later today, uh, going to be, well, Thursday. And then we'll have to uh, have a home game on Saturday against Michigan. Uh, Casey, does that worry you at all? A little bit. Why is that? Can I get a little more from you than that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't think it's like a huge deal, but that is a day away from prep, relaxation, whatever. It's better to be at home. The, the whole advantage of a home game is to be at home in your surroundings, to have, you know, Cardinal Court at your availability whenever you need it. Um, so, look, these kids are young. I'm sure their bodies are fine. But it's better to be at home, you know, relaxing, being able to talk to Painter, prep for this. We've got a lot of games coming up in a short yeah. time. And to, you know, miss out on – this is going to be pretty much like missing out on a full day because – the snow's still coming down on Lafayette, I believe. I think it's supposed to come down all afternoon, so who knows when they can get into West Lafayette. But just in general, uh, there's a reason that teams usually fly back that night, and that's so right. you can sleep in your own bed and start the next day without any delay. And, you know, maybe it's like I, – I, I don't think it's going to be the reason we win or lose, but it, it doesn't help. 
and we're already in a bad stretch of games where you want every benefit you can get. Yeah, yeah, especially with the shuffling of the schedule. You know, we played on February 2nd. We're going to play on the 5th, then the 8th, then the 10th, then the 13th. So that's a brutal stretch right there. It's going to, I mean, that's more games than they'll play, you know, come March uh, if they do really well and get to the, you know, second or third weekend. You only play two games and then you get some time off where, as this, I mean, you're you're really putting yourself through a grinder here. So, like you said, every day is going to make a difference, but uh, I'm not too terribly worried, but I just wanted to at least uh, broach that subject. So, before we get into the Minnesota game, I have got a question for you, uh, spurred by uh, what happened in yesterday's game. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, so you may have heard the announcer say that uh, Sasha Stefanovic hit his 200th career three-pointer as a Purdue Boilermaker, becoming just the ninth player all-time to do so. How many of the other eight players can you name? Oh, well, there's one way to find out, right? Well, yeah, I mean, no, 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 no cheating. No looking it up. I want to hear no, what you No, I mean, do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name them all okay. so we're going to find out. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to, like, Google it. No. I was like, well, that uh, really takes away the fun that I was having. All right. Uh, let me count on my finger here. Uh, Matthias. Yes. Etwan Moore. Yes. Ryan Klein. Yes. Ryan Smith. Uh, on on hold on. Hold on. My... I, so I have this up on my phone, and it, like, went away. It just, like, I'm on the Purdue Media Guide, and it just keeps, like, flipping pages on me for no apparent reason. Oh, good. Yeah, it's definitely what I want. Okay, so Ryan Klein, yes. Okay. Ryan Smith? No. Okay. I, I thought it was close. He's probably he, at, like, 180? He is at 169. Oh, okay. Um, Robbie Hummel? Yes. <sighs> Ooh, no. Conzo hmm. Martin? No, Conzo Martin had 179. Ah, drat. But he was number 10, so you're, you know, you're right around there. Okay. So I've got four. I obviously Mount you would say, but they didn't have a three-point line. Right, exactly. Um I'm missing some obvious ones, aren't I? You are. Okay. Let me let me give me 2 seconds to Oh, Carson Edwards. Yes, he is number 1. Carson 281 Edwards. threes in his career. Carson Edwards, that's 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 a major oversight. That I, yeah, I was wondering when that, that one was going to come up. That should have hit right away. Hmm. Hmm. I don't think Vincent has 200. He does not. He is at 173. Okay. And I don't think P.J. Thompson has 200. No, 161. Okay. So I need four more. Uh, yeah. No, wait. You need three more, I three think, because you've said five. I thought you said there were nine. Oh, nine well, with Well, nine Sasha. including right. Sasha. Yeah. That's fair. Kendall never got there, sadly. No, he had 175. Hmm. You're knocking out the top 15, though. You're doing a really good job of that. <laughs> I don't think DJ Bird got there. He is number nine, the only one. He's so close, 195. Okay, so he didn't get there, barely. No. I'm surprised it's so, that high. I know, me too. He is the one that Sasha just uh, overtook this year, and then now obviously is, is in the clear as the number nine with over 200. 200 or more. Hmm. The last ones are kind of tough. I'll get into that. But I feel like you're missing one that you should know. One that I should know. Yeah, the other two are a little tougher. Hmm. I, he I hear a lot of mouse clicking. Are you Googling something over there? I don't like it. <laughs> no. I, well, I mean, I'm looking at, at team rosters. Okay. Well, that's fair, I guess. Just, oh, David Teague. Yes, David Teague. That's da the one I thought you would get. That's the obvious one I've been yeah. missing, yeah. Um. Part of the hard trouble is, like, remembering when the three-point line came into effect. Because <laughs> I'm guessing someone in, like, the Everett Stevens group uh, might have gotten there or gotten close. Um, 
I'm going to tap out at that. I don't know okay. for sure. All right. It so, wasn't Conzo. No. Um, oh, Chad Martin? Chad Martin is not a player. Wait, who am I thinking of? You could be going a couple ways there, so I'm not going to help you. Chad Austin. There you go. That's Chad right. Austin. There we go. Yes. He is number eight with 212. So you've only got one player left you haven't said. Do you want a hint? Yes. He played from 97 to 2000. Oh, no. Todd Foster? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I Although I love he had that a, guess. He had a very nice jump shot. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, so I, I will just I'll, – yeah, here's just, what I'll do. I'll go from – we obviously we got Sasha, so I'll go from eight to one. Just give you the numbers. Number eight, Chad Austin, two hundred and twelve. Seven, Robbie Hummel, two sixteen. Six, Ryan Klein, two hundred and thirty-eight. Five, David Teague, two hundred and thirty-nine. Number four, here's the one you missed, Jerron Cornell. Ah, I would have never got there. <laughs> two hundred and forty-two. Uh, Etwan Moore, two hundred and forty-three. Dakota Mathias, two hundred and fifty, and Carson Edwards. The career individual record holder for Purdue, 281 three-pointers made. In three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, it's absurd. incredible. It's incredible. I, I can't imagine we're going to have that record broken anytime soon because, I mean, Sasha is a volume three-point shooter, and he has just now made 200. Yeah, he'd have to come back for a fifth. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't see that as likely. Uh, he's probably not going to take that COVID year because he's going to be making some money uh, somewhere overseas, I would imagine. It would be nice if he did, though. Would not. Complain. It would be, especially the way he's playing right now. It'd be very nice to have him back for one more year. Yeah, I'm trying to look at at Carson's numbers just to get a chance. Oh my God, he took 383s his junior year. That is insane. That's absurd. Like he wasn't that and efficient. How, like and how many did he make? Uh, 135. He was only 35. percent Yeah. <laughs> just and how many of those are just tournament balls? Because he put oh my in gosh about 25 did, yeah. in the tournament. Ooh. That that whole that tournament run, I mean, that's gonna live forever. I mean, as one of the greatest yep. tournament runs ever ten, by a single player. Ten of nineteen, oh. five of fourteen, nine of sixteen. That's just tournament. Unbelievable. Four Unbelievable. of twelve. He took the first game off against Old Dominion. Apparently. Just that that oh my god. Thir- no, yeah. Um twenty eight threes in his last tournament. I mean, that's just outrageous. Twenty eight threes. Yeah. Ooh. Unbelievable. So uh, now that we've got that fun out of the way, let's talk about the game against Minnesota. Um, I don't want to say Purdue wins in a dominating fashion, but Purdue controlled the game. Oh, all, we were dominant. All, all for a few minutes there when the lead got mm-hmm. down to seven. But even when the lead got down to seven, it, I, it was up at 18 there in the second half. I never really panicked uh, because it, it didn't seem like Purdue had lost their way. They weren't you know, suddenly turning the ball over. They were taking good shots. They just weren't falling at the time. <sighs> Not all of them were good shots. We had a pretty lazy – we had a few lazy possessions where you're just like, we're playing Minnesota. I'm going to chuck this from 30. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it it wasn't a consistently, like, bad shot. There were bad shots in there, but it wasn't bad offense after bad offense, which is something that I think Purdue can get into uh, that causes them to have these little little problems. I don't know. You saw that tweet going around, right? I did see that tweet. We are the most consistent offense in the country. Yeah. That feels right. It does. Because I don't think enough – people especially like if you're a diehard college basketball fan there's not many of you generally you're a diehard school fan yeah so you watch your team so everything you see your team like do right and wrong you really magnify it and the bad really gets magnified 100 so you're like oh this purdue team they're so inconsistent and you watch some of these other offenses like i'm watching alabama and auburn and those are two of the better teams in the country alabama for just 10 minutes just became awful and that's not unusual for most teams because they don't run on offenses 
well or disciplined as we do. And then generally, I you don't have players that are as um, we have a lot of guys that are very smart with the basketball, don't turn it over. And yeah, compared to most other, there's a reason why we're number one efficient offense in the country by a pretty significant margin. Gonzaga yeah. is within two points of us efficiency wise. No one else is within five. And that I think we talked about in the last podcast where even though the defense is not ranked as high as we would like it. And I think we we probably went up on Ken Palm after this game, I would imagine, from where we were. But what do you mean by up? Worse or better? (laughs) we, We probably got better. No. We got worse? We gave up 73 points to Minnesota. Well, yeah, but I mean, the they're way not we good. That Ohio, the, yeah, but the way we played in that Ohio State game, we only gave up 78 against Ohio State. So what are we ranked now on defense? 87th. Oh, my gosh. Because we had we had we had rocketed up to 90 and then it dropped almost 10 between Ohio State and Minnesota just based on other teams. Of course. And then we jumped up another five after I, I mean, we gave up. A, we let a team shoot 50 percent from three against us. That's not going to help our metrics. OK, that's fair. That's fair. So let, let's talk about this, the gameplay of our, so, you know, so specific players. So obviously Eric the, Hunter! Exactly. Eric Hunter Jr., probably the best game of his career at Purdue. Probably the uh, best game ever. Scored, anywhere. well, By scored, tw- <laughs> whoa, whoa, scored 20 points, four of six from three, eight of 11 from the field, uh, three rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers. Like that. Uh, he played 31 minutes. Guess and, what his plus or minus was? Oh, it's got to be outrageous. It's got to be like plus 10, plus 12. No, Edmund. Come on, we won by more than that. Well, yeah, I guess he was out there 31 minutes. 30, uh, 31 plus, minutes. Plus 20. 24. Oh, wow. No one else had a plus 15 or higher. We we had one negative guy. <laughs> guess who it was? Uh, I would guess Isaiah Thompson. Yeah, minus he had nine. A, he Min- had a very bad game. Minus nine in a game that we won by what, 17? 15. 15. Yeah, and he was out there nine minutes. He looked he like was, a minus nine. <laughs> yeah, he was. So every minute he was out there, he was down a point. Uh, not great. You don't love to see that. But, I mean, I can't – I don't think we need to – I don't think we can move on from Hunter that quick because no, he's been a guy no, who no. we have given a lot of crap to on this podcast because he hasn't been producing. He has not showed us the defensive intensity and the movement on defense that he did last year. And on offense, he – has been not a liability, but he's been someone who is not considered a threat by the opponent. And last night he was just a completely different player. And he is, this was the, I think the best Eric Hunter we can expect to see. And, and he was great. Um, what was different about his game yesterday? Um, first of all, I don't know why you're being so nice. He was absolutely a liability. As I can't get my <laughs> chair to my desk. He was a liability. Um, I mean, it's it's a little oversimplified, but just aggressiveness. Like, he looked like he was out there and he wanted to make shots, which is a nice quality in a basketball player. And he's he's knocking down his shots first and foremost, which is, you know, with this team, we don't need him to be a playmaker. If he can just be a threat shooting the ball, that's good. But, you know, he, he hit that mid-range earlier, and then he hit that baseline shot from around the backboard bailing out uh, Ivy. He's showing good touch. Yeah, that backboard shot was – I don't know how he made that. The degree of difficulty on that shot was just out of this world. Yeah. I, from, from the, It was like from the right side outside mm-hmm. the lane. See, it, I mean, it went over the backboard, right? Yep. I'm not – I don't have that wrong. I mean – Went pretty close. It was just crazy, I, and I, I, I couldn't believe he hit it. Went clean in. Uh, yeah, and just better energy. Um, 
he made that, you know, he's been pretty good at cutting because, you know, we're defenses are always so worried about our shooters getting off that they'll send two people towards Sasha on the outside and just left them open for a layup. So it's just, it, it kind of feeds into itself. You make a, you make a shot and all of a sudden your energy's up and you're moving. And next time you're in the right place and you get the ball again, and then you make that shot. And he went four or six from three. And that's, that's huge. That's another, uh, to add another perimeter threat next to Sasha and Ivy that, that, and Gillis. I mean, all of a sudden, if they're yeah, all, all making Mason shots, Gillis. it's just like, okay. And you know, Edie was great inside. Oh, he was phenomenal. And Edie right now, like his numbers, and it's mostly a minute thing because he doesn't get to play enough. But also, we just we have so many offensive weapons that Edie's numbers get muted. We just watched uh, Coburn go up for thirty-four points because Illinois just kept giving him the ball. Edie's got that kind of game, and yeah, to add Eric Hunter as an offensive threat to four other guys who are all offensive offensive threats, it's just. If Hunter, if we get this Hunter the rest of the way out, 95% of my worries about the team are gone. Yeah, me too. Because, I mean, he just, he, he was such a different player yesterday than he had been the entire year. I mean, we've seen him get slowly better these last four or five games. He's looked a lot like the player we hoped he could be, and he looked like a lot uh, more like the player we saw last season that, that we really thought could be an asset this year. Um, but he hadn't put it all together until last night. Um, and just what a phenomenal game by him. I mean, I don't think we can say it enough uh, how much he just exceeded our expectations that that we had kind of changed as the season came on. Yeah, this, uh, you know, we're never used to him really as an offensive explosion because that's never been his game. But he's always been a pretty good shooter. And all of a sudden now he's 43 percent from three. Uh, that three point shot looks pretty good. And all yeah. of a sudden it looks like he knows how to get to his shots again. You know, 20 points, 10 points, 7 points, 10 points his last four games. He's shooting uh, 8 for 11 from three. That's very nice. He's only got three turnovers during that time. Uh, he had the five assist game against Ohio State. So he spoke about it after the game. Like, he's feeling urgency. Like, he realizes that, you know, his career's coming to an end. And if, if that's what it took to kind of be fearless, like, get rid of that fear because – what are you scared of? You're done after this. So right, yeah. This hope- is this is your last opportunity. Yeah. So hopefully that's the turnaround. And honestly, yeah, he's he's been great six out of the last seven games. So this is really really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's worth pointing out too that with Thompson playing so poorly of late, it's even more important that Hunter mm-hmm. Jr. is playing so well. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have to have a point guard that is dishing out seven, eight, nine, ten assists a game, but we have to have someone who can at least facilitate the offense and be a threat for their own shot while they're out there. And with Hunter Jr. showing that, I think it just shows moving him into the starting lineup um, and moving Thompson to the bench was the right decision, at least for now. I mean, these these things could flip on us and it could be different at the end of the season. But for right now, Eric Hunter Jr. is playing his best ball of the season and we've got to keep him out there as much as possible. I mean, he played 31 minutes. So um, if he can do that every night, I, you know, just throw him out there. I think we've seen enough to this point where that that's our ideal, right? Thompson, yeah. just a bit player off the bench and yeah. Hunter playing 30 plus minutes. Yeah, and I mean, especially, I mean, Thompson, again, uh, nine minutes only, 0 for 3 from the floor, including 0 for 2 from beyond the arc, uh, only grabbed one rebound, one assist in that time. So um, not basically a non-factor 
but again, part of that is probably because Hunter Jr. was playing so well. So other than Hunter Jr., I mean, we I think we got great games out of pretty much everybody in the starting lineup. Um, I think Gillis, Edie, Ivy, and Sasha all played great games, um, and we relied a lot less on the bench, which is kind of how it seems to have been uh, trending of late. We're getting much more production from our starting five. Yeah, um, we're tightening up rotation a little bit. Obviously, Brandon Newman is pretty much all the way out. And he got one minute. Right. And I was surprised he I was surprised he played at all, to be honest. Yeah, Morton gotten into foul trouble late. Yeah. So he's out of the rotation. That drops us down to nine. Isaiah Thompson's, you know, no longer splitting the minutes with Hunter. So he's playing 10 minutes now off the bench. Pretty much we're looking at, you know, Trey, who once again struggled. Had, yeah, I, d- I don't know what's hmm. going on there. Only had five points. Clearly frustrated. Uh, yeah. I probably mean, that, not. That- that shove he had on the Minnesota player was just pure frustration. Stupid. And you could tell on his face just when you saw the replay stupid. of it. He was just annoyed. Uh, I don't yeah. know if this guy – they they kept talking about how uh, on the broadcast that the Minnesota guy was guarding him like rough or, you know, well, guess what, buddy? That's the Big Ten. So, uh, also, I, yeah, that guy weighed 40 pounds less than you. You'll be fine. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's weird because if we are going to hit on all cylinders, we need Trey to be, you know, better. Yeah. But at the same time, Edie's been so good that it was refreshing to see him play 27 minutes because mm-hmm. he was awesome. Also, all of a sudden, Edie can pass. Right. <laughs> Three assists. Three assists. Um, And, like, he's getting multiple assists, like, most games now. I, I can't undersell how bad he was at passing last year. Yeah. yeah. He, he couldn't make – if you doubled him inside, he literally couldn't make the pass back out. Now, in this game, he got doubled on the left wing – and immediately felt where the where the double was coming, cross court pass over like Trey Williams finding an open shooter who knocked it down. Like it's, uh, he's got multiple assists, uh, three out of the last five games. That, that's crazy. His yeah, his assist rate is seventeen percent. It was five point nine his freshman year. That's a hell of an improvement. Yeah, it's like he's just really good. And it'd be nice if Trey can find his again, but. I, Worst case right now, we keep playing Edie 27 minutes, and Trey's just going to have to sadly be a bit player, or he's got to turn it on. You know, we we closed out with him again, which was a weird comment that they had, uh, the announcers had late, because it was a 15-point game. That's that's not a closing lineup. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Edie, uh, and I thought, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say Edie's been, is just phenomenal. Yeah, and I mean, starting the game with Edie, I feel like, gives us such an advantage because he is so hard to guard, and you can give it to him immediately and try to put up an easy bucket to kind of set the tone. I mean, Purdue started this game 8 of 8 from the floor. Um, I mean, uh, just crazy efficient. They then, of course, missed their next 7 to even that out a bit. But, I mean, starting out a game 8. they made their next 5. They did. But starting out the game eight for eight, I mean, that's got to just be a little bit demoralizing for the defense. Yeah, because our guards kind of get to settle into the game. The first few possessions, they just find Edie. Edie gets a great look, usually makes it, draws a foul. And the other team is just here like, oh, why? Well, how do we? Ugh, why do we have to start this way? This hurts. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's it is it is a cheat code. Uh, one of the biggest reasons why we are so consistent is whenever we get in trouble, it's pretty much. Hey, find that 7-4 guy inside who's definitely <laughs> right. going to make it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think the 
Purdue really showed at the start of this game the efficient offense that they can be. And if they can play like that, I mean, that is the team we want to see. That is the team we believed they could be. So that was really heartening to see uh, to start the game. And, uh, I mean, we've gone this far, and we haven't even mentioned uh, how great Jaden Ivey played. Uh, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, a block. Uh, I mean, it, just incredible. 3 for 3 from the free throw line. Purdue is a team, 6 of 8, so much oh. better there. Uh, but, I mean, Jaden Ivey, another great game. Uh, what do you think? Uh, there was one move he had, uh, the spin move through oh the lane. Oh, my God. Just, he covered so much ground. So quickly. And so fast. I, uh, it's almost unguardable. Yeah, that's an NBA move. Like, he is NBA ready right now. Obviously, there's stuff he's got to sharpen up, but just that athleticism and his ability to get to places. Played 38 minutes. Uh, I think we're past the hip being an issue. Yeah, I would assume at this point, especially now he's back in the starting lineup. He must have, you know, p- passed Painter's test or whatever, and now he's back out there. Yeah, I think it's weird because I think if you look at his box score the last few games, the the points to shots is not like it doesn't scream high efficiency. But you watch him on the court, and he's just always creating problems. Most of his shots are – he's putting the defense in leverage at some point, and I think you just kind of have to look at it differently. Like, don't worry about how many shots he puts up because he's getting pretty good looks. He's causing chaos, and when he has a good shooting day, he's going to go off for 30, 40 points. And yeah. we just – honestly, it feels like we've just not gotten the Ivy games yet because he does yeah. all these things, but – it's not been mind-boggling, and it doesn't feel like he's not forcing it the same way he was last year. A lot of these are controlled, getting inside, has his man with leverage, and just you know misses. Uh, he's not great between that five and eight foot mark, and he just needs a couple more of those to fall, and then all of a sudden you're talking about like a crazy good game. Yeah, I mean, I do scratch my head sometimes with some of the shots he takes, yeah. and. I'm a little more worried about the fact that he did take 19 shots for 21 points, uh, but it's not something that you know has me in a panic, but it's just something I want to pay attention to because obviously you'd like him to be more efficient um, because that would help the offense in a number of ways, but 8 of 19 when you still wind up with 21 points, 2 for 6 from 3, those are numbers I can live with because he just he commands an offense and he causes so many problems for the defense that if he continues to push and if he continues to look for a shot, it will be there and if it's not, he's going to draw fouls and he's going to get to the free throw line and just he, again, he causes so many problems for every opposing defense. Yeah. I am excited to see what this stretch run's going to be like for him cuz it really seems like He's always been a pretty jerky player, uh, pretty good with pace, but it really seems like he is starting to understand that the game works at whatever speed he wants it to. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's realizing I'm better than the vast majority mm-hmm. of people on this court. And if you I can just say just... all of them, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be nice. It, just uh, all of them. Yeah. I'm better than everyone on this court. And if I can just put my, my effort into it. Uh, go full speed. I can get around these people. I can get to the hoop. And the only chance they have to slow me down or stop me is to foul me. With that, and now he's he's getting a little edge and then stopping the defense. Oh, yeah. Pausing, holding there at the rim, using his alien-like body control. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, – I we talked about this <laughs> yeah. last time, but I have no idea how he does the things that he does once he gets in the air. Yeah, so it's – he's really starting to – you see him start to experiment and use that. And I think that's a really good sign. Um, yeah. He's just, I'm starting to get feeling because Sasha again, had another quiet, really good game. 
first half didn't hit a three-pointer, but attacked the basket all over the place and seven assists on the game. He's just, when he has the ball in his hand, it's generally money. And, you know, him and and Jaden both played 38 minutes, and that's who we run our offense through when, you know, we're not throwing it inside. Or Sasha has been really good at getting the ball inside. So I'm starting... I'm getting some feelings of those two. We got we got some magic. Yeah, Sasha ha- has just improved so much, even just throughout this season. Um, I mean, six of nine from the floor, three of six from three, and he's been able to find his own shot in the lane, get to the hoop more this season than I think he has the prior three years um, combined. So, and then like you said, the seven assists, he's finding the right guy, um, and. It, he looks more uh, engaged on defense as well. I know uh, we talked in the past about how in the recent NCAA tournament, uh, I believe the, in the action, I think it was the last two NCAA tournaments, he's been a guy who's been a problem for us on the defensive end, and teams have really taken advantage of that. Um, but if he plays defense like he has recently, you know, he's not our best defender, but he's certainly putting out more effort and being more engaged than he has in past seasons. Yeah, and he's starting to make shots on the road. I, I, I think the the fact now that he is so good drive like, he is looking to get to the hoop. If he gets a half step on you, and it's hard not to give him that half step because you're so scared of his jump shot, and he comes off those screens so hard that he's going to be at your hip, and he's got, you don't think of him as big. He's 6'5". He's big, 205 pounds, and he uses his size once he gets into the paint really well. Absolutely. And, I mean, regarding his size... It is it is hard to tell often with this Purdue team how big some of our guys are because of someone like Edie standing around them yeah. and you're like, Oh, you know, this you don't assume the the big guy in the court is gonna be seven foot four. You're thinking maybe he's like six ten, six eleven, and then you're like, No, he's he's like a giant. So everyone else around him is still very, very big. They just look tiny in comparison. So uh, Sasha has the size to make good things happen, and he's beginning to see that a little more and use that to his advantage. Yeah, so it's it's encouraged. Everything offensively is encouraging right now. Yeah, yeah. And one more thing about the starters, at least. I did see you tweet uh, that you want Mason Gillis to shoot more. Um, and again, I'm just glad you've come around to my point of view. He was two for three uh, from three for six points, five assist, or sorry, five rebounds, one assist. Uh, only played 17 minutes, but uh, I thought a pretty great game for him. Um, he did have a really bad turnover, uh, but he made up for it. Um, or maybe, you yeah, know, maybe that was Morton. Um, hold on. I took a Morton note on did. This. Yeah, yeah. Morton had the bad turnover, but then he had the block yeah. uh, on the other end. So, uh, you know, Gillis, I think, again, another good game. And your boy first came in for 14 minutes. Looks pretty efficient. Two of two, three he's rebounds, so one steal. So he looks good as well. So he's he seems to be finding himself again. Yeah, the one thing about first is I want him to have a little more awareness on the offensive glass because he's taken away like two or three offensive rebounds from Edie in the last two or three games. Ones where Gillis, like Edie would have grabbed them and Gillis like tries to grab them and then knocks it away to where Edie can't get it. Yeah. So maybe crash the offensive glass a little. You can't say that after the Ohio State game. but Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, Gillis is good. I just like he's a knockdown shooter, but. There was this moment where he had the ball and he was wide open against his own, hesitated, then didn't take the shot. That's why that's part of the reason why you're open and why teams will still leak back on you because they know you're not going to take it. You're not going to burn every them time. every inch you give them. And if you're going to shoot 50% from three this late into the season, toss that baby up. 
Yeah. Toss. Yeah. Just gunner. Yeah. I mean, gunner I mean, mentality. The the percentages say you're you're doing pretty darn well. So uh, let's let's test those numbers out and see see if it's just a small sample size or if you are really truly a, a great shooter at this point. So keep throwing those up. Um. So. Anything else that stands out to you in this Minnesota game? Um, I, I just, again, want to point out the resiliency. Purdue, you know, got up by 18. Minnesota chipped away and got it down to seven. Purdue never really seemed to panic uh, and wound up winning by 15. So that, I think, was a really good sign because it, no team is going to go through a game and not have a little run against you um, unless they're very, very bad. So we won't see too many games like that. So for Purdue to weather the run against Minnesota, not really panic. Painter looked calm, composed, uh, didn't seem frazzled, and the team built that lead back up was very encouraging to me. I would like to see us once a season shut down a point guard that can score. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be great, too. So that that's my only that's my only wish list. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. So there you have it, 88-73. Um, so Purdue now uh, sits at 8-3 and three in conference play, and with the – um, Illinois Wisconsin game yesterday and was uh, Wisconsin getting a third loss. That means now um, Purdue is only I think a half a game back out of first place uh, because Illinois sits at nine and two, Michigan State eight and two, and then Purdue at eight and three. So uh, Wisconsin just, got romped. Yeah, they did not look good against that Illinois team. Like you said, Kofi Coburn just took it to them for what was it, thirty four? You said thirty four. So uh, that's a pretty good game for him. So. But now this sets up a really tough stretch run for everybody in the conference to try to race to get that Big Ten title. And as we talked about at the beginning, Purdue has a heck of a run of games here. You know, we just finished uh, versus Ohio State and then at Minnesota. Now we home at Michigan, home against Michigan, at home against Illinois, and then at Michigan. So uh, that's going to be a tough one stretch day right rest. there. Yeah, one day rest in between. So uh, we really got to hope that um, Purdue can win these next two or next three, and then that will set them up for uh, quite a finish to this Big Ten season. So, uh, speaking of Michigan, we're going to take a break, come back, and look ahead to that game and, and what we need to know about the Wolverines. So, we'll be right back with you. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And we are back. So, as promised, we are going to take a look to Purdue's upcoming game against Michigan. That is going to be on Saturday, February 5th. That is going to be a 2.30 game. Uh, on Fox. So this will be the first game that Purdue and Michigan have played. If you'll recall earlier in the season, the game was postponed. Uh, the game that was scheduled to be at Michigan uh, because of COVID issues within the Michigan program. And that game has now been rescheduled to uh, February 10th. So just five days after this game. So Michigan has been a team that I was pretty high on coming into the season. Uh, however, right now, they sit at uh, five and four in conference, eleven and eight overall. And I know Casey, we talked about this on a on a prior episode. You were not too sold on them just because of how much they were losing, um, and uh, we didn't really know what kind of coach Howard would be because he was kind of brought in in a pretty great situation. Um, so, what have you seen from them as the season has progressed? Poor guard play, and they're ball dependent on guys that are one dimensional and not super great at that dimension. Shout out Caleb Houston. <laughs> uh, it's they're a weird group because everything runs through Hunter Dickinson. He's their best player, but it's if you don't have the guards to match up with your big, you're not going to be that great of a team. You're, there's just there's no way around it. And Dickinson's good. Uh, Diabate's pretty decent, interesting. Six eleven, two ten, freshman uh, has a lot of potential, but they just don't have the guards that we're used to playing and. For the longest time, this Michigan offense was just all ball movement and high pick and rolls. Yeah, and, and they burned us on those year after year. Burned, yeah, absolutely. And Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks, just they're not those guys. They they aren't good enough to dissect a defense over and over again, which is exactly what Michigan had done to have all their success they've had lately. And, yeah, like Caleb Houston was supposed to be better than he is. And just this team isn't nearly as dynamic or deep or, and they don't shoot the ball that great. So they are a, they are a middling team that probably should be better. Um, but they've got a lot of losses that they can't feel good about. They lost, they lost to Minnesota by 10 points at home. Yeah. And that's again, same Minnesota team Purdue just beat by 15. Mm-hmm. They lost to North Carolina on the road, 21 points, Uh North Carolina team that Purdue beat yes. on a neutral court. They lost to, Illinois by 15. They lost was to that, Rutgers. Oh, well, on the road. well say we both lost to Rutgers, yeah. so nothing there. Uh, but we have beaten Illinois, granted, in, in double overtime in thrilling fashion, but still wins a win. Yeah, so this it's it's not a great team. Uh, Michigan's best win is a road win. They went to Indiana, and they, they knocked they knocked the Hoosiers out. Like yeah, 80, I mean, 80 to 62. Like. So, so yeah, you, you see, they are a talented team. They have talent. You you. You're not going to go into Michigan or have Michigan come to you and just snooze and think you're going to have an easy day. Um, big differences there. They were 11 from 17 against Indiana. If they if they shoot the three well, they're very dangerous. Um, they've got a big guy that's good, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking Kofi Coburn was pretty good big guy. We just watched him put 34 points up against Wisconsin. How did he do against real big men? Uh, not great. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder how – because 
Dickinson is, he's really big. Like he's pretty mobile for being as big as he is. Right. Yeah. And pretty skilled. Like it's not like he's going to like be leaping over and running past Zach Eady. No, I so, wouldn't imagine. I think Michigan's going to struggle a lot to get into the bread and butter because that's the one place Purdue defends well inside one-on-one against Edie because yeah. Edie's a monster. Yeah, and it, I mean, we've seen time and again player teams with big men uh, go up against guys like Edie and Williams, and they often find themselves in foul trouble. Now, should that be the case in this game against Michigan, Hunter Dickinson heads to the bench. I mean, he's their leading scorer and their leading rebounder. Who do they have behind him? Uh, that comes in and plays and could have a career day against Purdue because that seems to happen quite a bit. I mean, we talked about Emusa Diabate is a big freshman, long, but he's only 210 pounds, um, more athlete than anything else. He's I, I I would not feel if I'm Michigan, I don't feel great about him trying to defend down low. And then they're big men. They're they don't have a ton of them. Like Brandon Johns is probably six eight two forty. That's just that's, not going to do it. That's probably the body you have to put against Trey, and I guess Edie if you have to. But, yeah, this is not a very deep team. I think Jawan Howard thought he really thought his freshmen were going to be more than they were, and they kind of have to be on this squad. And he's playing three of them, and they've all, you know, struggled like freshmen do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Big Ten is not uh, for the weak, I think, as – Painter talked about uh, in that viral clip from the IU game a few years back. You know, this game's not for the week. You got to go out there. You're going to get banged around. So um, I would much rather have played Michigan earlier in the year when they mm-hmm. looked uh, a little worse. They were more discombobulated. Uh, they have won uh, four of their last five coming into this game with the only loss being at Michigan State. Um, but they haven't exactly played a murderer's row. I mean, they, they played Maryland. They won at IU, which is something we couldn't do. Uh, they beat Northwestern, but just by two, lost at Michigan State, and then just beat Nebraska. So, I mean, that's not a terribly difficult last five games. So uh, it's not as if they've completely turned it around, but they certainly look better now than they did uh, at the start of Big Ten season. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because their guards, Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks, those are the two main guards are going to play the most. They're both six one. That is very small. So one of them is going to have to check Ivy maybe? I guess. Oh no, that's going to be bad for him. I, I, they're either going to be on Ivy or Sasha, and then they're going to maybe try to put Caleb Houston on Ivy. I welcome all true freshmen to try <laughs> to guard Jim yeah. Ivy. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how long and athletic he, he is. A pretty good defender and athlete. Um, that probably makes the most sense for them because I don't think you want Houston chasing. Well, you don't want them chasing around Ivy either, but you don't want them chasing around Sasha. So yeah, I just, for once normally we match up pretty poorly with Michigan. They usually have. Yeah. Skilled wings all over, shooters all over, and that high pick and roll just kills us. This team isn't really designed like that. Uh, Juwan Howard is still trying to put the pieces together that make sense, but he lacks that dynamic point guard that's really carved us up. And, yeah, it's going to be a lot about just can Michigan put up any defense against Purdue and can Dickinson stay on the floor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Hunter Dickinson is in foul trouble and off the court for a large majority of the game, like Kofi Coburn was when we played Illinois. I mean, it's just a completely different game because even if they have their second string guy come in or, you know, a third string and he has the game of his life, it's not going to be the same uh, Michigan team out there. Uh, Dickinson is pretty much 
their their star. So if you can take him out, it's going to be great news for Purdue. And as you said, with those guys that are behind him, I think that makes it even easier for a guy like Jaden Ivey to just eat all day. Um, and that would be huge for this team. Yeah, guess what uh, Michigan's defensive rating is? Is it probably right around ours? Yeah, it's even worse. 96th okay. in the country. Guess what they don't do? Rebounds? Force, force turnovers. Oh, okay. That's what I look at. When I look at a defense, do they force turnovers? Generally, if they have a high turnover rate, you can assume that it is a team that presses and gets on guards. They don't really do that, and they don't defend well in general. Uh, they don't defend the three-point line very well. Uh, well, they're decent at the three-point line, but they don't defend inside at all. They don't cause turnovers. They don't really have any rim protection. Dickinson's a lot of things. He's not really a rim protector. And they get out of rotation a lot. They give up a lot a lot of assists to field goals made, which is not what you want to see when you play a team that has shooters all over and passers in the post and outside. So, yeah, I was going to say that that sounds like it's just made exactly for this Purdue team who has a great uh, assist rate on their buckets and right. also who the offense we run, there's so much motion, so much movement that if Michigan is a team that allows that has mistakes on defense, this is a Purdue team that can take advantage. Yeah, Ken Palm is giving Michigan a 16% chance of an upset. Oh, wow, that's it. Yeah, um, in comparison, uh, Iowa get, or Illinois gets a 26% chance. Maryland gets 8%. So, yeah, uh, it's this is not a great matchup for Michigan. Normally, when these two teams play, even if Purdue might have the better team, it's usually a matchup that favors Michigan. This yeah, team, not like that. They have just given us fits uh, in recent years. I mean, uh, they beat us, I think, three times in one year when we – because they beat us both times in the regular season, and then we played them in the Big Ten tournament uh, when it was in D.C., and I I went and covered that for us, uh, and they just took us down again. I think that was the third time we lost to them that year. Yeah. Um, Michigan is a team. They are 305th in points – percentage of their points at the three-point line. Oh, that is not that is very low. Mm-hmm. They get most of their work done inside the two. They're the thirty fifth, thirty uh, fifth most point percentage inside the arc. So yeah, they rely on getting inside with Dickinson driving the ball, and they are not a proficient three point shooting team, which is Purdue's number one weakness. So right, I'm sure right. we'll make them look better. That's what I was just going to say. How comfortable are they chucking? You know, twenty five, thirty threes. Yeah, up and not not very, not very. Well, all right, there you have it. Uh, is there anything else about Michigan that stands out? Um, I know this one is going to be at home, uh, so if you know if we're going to take at least one of the two of Michigan, I, I hope we can take both, but this would seem to be the one most likely uh, to be in Purdue's favor. So uh, hopefully we've got a raucous crowd. Um, hopefully all the snow will be cleared away by then and everybody can get to the arena. So uh, is there anything else about Michigan? Otherwise, I think that's it for us today. I'll just say that, Caleb Houston was on the same Canadian team as Zach Eady. Yes, he was. In the same tournament that Jaden Ivey and Caleb First were. They should be pretty familiar with him. Uh, Eady should be angry that Houston took every shot that should have been Eady's. Just <laughs> chucking it everywhere. And Ivey's going to have, he's going to be able to look across the court and look at a guy who was considered, you know, a lottery pick for this upcoming NBA draft. And I got a feeling this might be the game where Ivey takes those 20 shots. And makes 14 of them. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. This might be the breakout breakout. Because he's just been coasting and getting about 20 points a game. And uh, 
got the feeling this might this might be the time the uh, dam bursts open. Uh, well, hey, something to watch for, and it would be uh, given that it's Jaden Ivy, I'm sure it would Delightful. be wonderful to watch. So uh, he's always one that we love to see perform out there. So that's gonna do it for us. Make sure to watch uh, Saturday, February fifth, two thirty p.m. Uh, game on Fox, and then we will be back with you over the weekend to cover what happens in this game and to look ahead to Illinois. So that's it for us today, folks. Have a great day. Boiler up. <laughs>